when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, alive. It was an exciting day in the SEC. We got Lane Kiffin shooting off at the mouth, Mike Leach rambling, Mark Stoops uh, sharing conference secrets here. (laughs) And to top it all off, Shane, let's just jump right to this first clip. We got Mike Leach inviting the entire nation to jump on the Mississippi State bandwagon. Who's coming with me, Mike? for a bandwagon, hop on. All right, so that was a great little video. We're going to we'll share the uh, the video on Reddit and everything. It's it's wild how many times we share audio of a video. And people are like, "Well, hey, I need to see that video." So, it'll be out there. We'll put it up, but uh not only did they put out this video, they've actually got a website, Shane, believe it or not. You can join and sign up to get on the Mississippi State bandwagon. Oh my gosh, Mike. Hey, I'm telling you, this is this is genius. You are it. You are hot right now. I mean, you think about LSU last year and how many people became LSU fans. Well, they've got it right now. They're holding the bag, and it's like, like I said, who's coming with me? This is this is fantastic. The marketing crew up there, man. I tell you, they could you imagine? And nothing against against what I don't. They don't call him Sleepy Joe, but uh, Pittsburgh Joe. What what do they call him? Pittsburgh Joe. Oh, uh, Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Did they call him Sleepy Joe, or did I just make that name up? Just, oh, wait, that's Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, too much politics, 
Oh man, sorry. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man. We may have to edit that out. I am not for or against. We don't do politics here, Mark. <laughs> so, but so, uh, Pittsburgh Joe, you know, to go for him, nothing wrong. Pittsburgh Joe had some great sound bites, but to go from him to to the pirate man, Coach Leach. Not knowing exact, I mean, could you imagine that media guy just got a raise, and he may not literally got a raise, but he did because of all the content he's going to be able to put out there. Uh, this is fantastic. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, Mike. <laughs> we got a lot more good stuff to come. Well, absolutely. Let's get right into it. Where uh, you know the SEC, they always announce the kickoff times, television schedule two weeks out in advance. So. Obviously, we're not talking the games that we're going to be previewing all week, but the next week, Saturday, October 10th, the SEC has already announced these, Shane, so I'm going to run down these real quick. You stop me if anything jumps out to you. But the noon SEC network game, South Mm -hmm. Carolina at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Next, we got the 3 o'clock game. Excuse me, 4 o'clock game on SEC network that's going to follow it. Arkansas. At Auburn, Chad Morris Bowl there. Then we got Alabama, Old Miss, Nick Saban versus Lane Kiffin, 6 o'clock yeah. on ESPN. These are all Eastern times I'm given on yeah. ESPN. So that's going to be a Saturday nighter. Mississippi State at Kentucky. That's the 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network. And then the night ESPN game, Missouri at LSU. Now, there's the two big games. <laughs> Didn't mention those, and here's why. Because CBS has the option to flex this schedule. So, Florida, Texas A&M, Tennessee at Georgia. One of those is going to be the CBS SEC game of the week. Okay. And one of them is going to be, if it's not the CBS game, it's going to be the noon game on ESPN, the one that follows right after game day. So, again, Florida at Texas A&M, Tennessee, at Georgia. Going to be one of those marquee games. And I think, obviously, what they're waiting for, they're gonna, they want to see what happens this weekend. Does Texas A&M pull a mega upset and beat Alabama? If so, you got to think Florida, Texas A&M, that's an easy choice for CBS. Yeah. Now, Georgia, they've got Auburn this week. So, if they win, you got to think Tennessee at Georgia is going to be the CBS game. Right. So that's just kind of where the schedule is two weeks out. But uh, I just hate that the other options noon. Yeah, it just you know what I'm saying. Right. Like these are these are both gonna I think still gonna be good games. But um, it's almost like so it should be either CBS or you know ESPN Saturday night. You know what? Exactly. Yeah. You'd think it'd be they could flex it to the night time game, but. And I like the lineup. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if uh, Tennessee's playing at noon, that means uh, Uncle Joe's going to be up there at, what, 6 o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time, <laughs> watching that one, drinking his morning beers. Love you, brother. No, I, I, I you know, that's the thing. We're, we're going to have to manipulate this as we go. Um, and and is, is there, like, a rule to how many, like, SEC, like I know there has been in the past, like how many SEC games on CBS they can have. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is there a rule like that this year? Have you heard, uh, like Georgia can only be on there three times or two times or something like that? Yeah, I believe the rule is five. Now that's in a normal year, obviously. So 
I don't know if they're amending that because it's just SEC games and there's more conference games, so they're going to allow it. But, yeah, I, st- I think they'll probably stick to it because they like to spread it around a little bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i just throwing this one out there. But let's say Mississippi State just keeps on keeping on and they – I mean, they're just running through the schedule here. Mm-hmm. I think a team like that is going to be <laughs> – CBS going to be hopping on that bandwagon, <laughs> so to speak. You know what? So yeah. I don't think they're going to limit themselves to maybe that five-game rule just because we got the 10-game schedule. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, uh, well, since we're talking about it too, uh, don't they also have the ability to do like double headers? Yeah, they do that uh, once every year. For some or no, and then they do it at the tail end of the season as well, and they always seem to want to put Arkansas, Missouri as part of that doubleheader on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Of course, see that's all blown up this year because we started late and right. There's really no traditional rivalry weekend, so yeah, I mean it's kind of anyone's guess how it's going to play out this year. I don't really know. It's uh. I don't really have an answer for it, to be honest with you, Shane. Okay. Yeah, no, I think we're just we're just playing it by ear this year. And uh, I tell you, e- any of these games, I mean, that's the thing. When you play in SEC all the time, Mike, there ain't a bad game on your TV. So whatever time they throw it out there, I'm going to be watching. It don't matter, even if it is a nooner. <laughs> all right, Shane, were you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, so Kentucky and Ole Miss, they're facing off this week. More of an interesting game now, I think, given the fact that we saw Kentucky, you know, maybe I was a little harsh on them yesterday. They did play pretty well, but they just made so many critical errors, and Terry Wilson kind of, I think I had put so much uh, hype behind Kentucky, and for them to come out and lay an egg, I was kind of harsh on them. They hurt you, man. (laughs) They They hurt you, didn't you? It's like like all... (laughs) If they didn't have all these turnovers, they... I know it's stupid to say 29 to 13, they would have won the game, but I think they would have. So they kind of broke my heart. I apologize to Big Blue Nation, but here's a chance for them to bounce back now. They're doing it against an Ole Miss team that all of a sudden they look a lot better than I anticipated. Of course, not the defense, but the offense was just outstanding. Going up here against, you know, Matt Corral and Elijah Moore, they were just lights out against Florida's defense, which is usually pretty stout. So you know, what's on the line in this one, Shane? Because Kentucky going down 0-2, I don't know if that's a hole you could climb out of after all this offseason of hype. I wonder if you start doubting yourself, whereas, you know, Ole Miss, it's not fair to say they played toe-to-toe with Florida, but 
they didn't back down from him, you know, and right. had they had an answer for Kyle Pitts, maybe that's a much more competitive game. But I don't know, a lot on the line here for uh, Kentucky and his Stoops troops going against, uh, you know, all of a sudden a very, very dangerous Ole Miss team. Yeah, I mean, this could this could go either way. And I think I think one thing that week one did for both of these teams is expose some flaws. And, you know, whether it be with Terry or, or play calling a couple times with the, with the Wildcats or, or whether it be the, the lack of depth that Ole Miss has because, you know, they were able to hang with Florida. But, you know, when you can't substitute defensive linemen throughout the day like, you, you know, some of these other teams can – it starts to open up other things, you know, everybody looks at Pitts, but man, Florida was just doing anything they wanted at will. The secondary was, was exhausted. They were on the field the entire game. So that's, that's one thing is, and, and both of these coaches are fantastic and, and, and both of them are going to see these flaws and they're going to want to try to exploit what they can. So uh, this is a, this is going to be a closer game. I think than people think uh, this is going to be a chess match and I think it's going to come down to coaching. So mm-hmm. whoever, you know, can, can, can rally the troops and get these boys ready. I mean, that's the one that, that's the team that's going to win. So yeah. Kentucky's got to establish that line of scrimmage like they did early against Auburn. I thought they kind of lost that in the second half mm-hmm. and then Kelvin Joseph, so much hype with him. And everyone has a bad day, particularly going against a good receiver like Seth Williams. But Kelvin Joseph, he needs to step up, and he's going to be the one tasked with trying to slow down Elijah Moore, who just went off against Florida secondary. So, and Kiffin's been incredibly high on that guy. So, yep. Kelvin Joseph's got to step up his play. The receivers have really got to step up their play. You got to, you know, along with Terry Wilson, those receivers didn't have their best performance on Saturday. So. Let's kick it over to Mark Stoops, talks about those receivers, talks about Kelvin Joseph, and then he kind of let the cat out of the bag here (laughs) on the transfer situation, and we'll break that down on the other side. Mark, um, Commissioner Sankey got asked last week about transfers within the conference and basically noted that the coaches and the schools have decided not to change that rule. I know Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee has been pretty vocally frustrated about their situation that's similar to what Joey's going through right now. Have you had conversations with other coaches about this situation, and would you be in favor of changing that rule about transfers within the conference in general? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I understand both points. Uh, The commissioner is correct. When we recruited these student-athletes back to our institutions, we knew the rule. Uh, but we also understood that the landscape in college football is changing. It's changing every day. It's changing every year. And uh, but but uh, I understand both sides. And and the and the the commissioner was crystal clear on that. And I agree with him. However, we are trying to get the rule changed. Um, and that's above uh, the head coach's decision. Uh, it doesn't matter what we think. We need to talk to our presidents, and our presidents are voting on that. And, um, you know, it's my understanding that we'll have a decision relatively quickly on that. Uh, But that's in the president. uh, That's at the president level. um, And they'll make those decisions. So us coaches can can be vocal or talk about it any which way we want. And but uh, that's not my style to play out things in the media and and publicly. Uh, I'll talk to our our people already have. We've already put in our vote on what we want to do. Um, and I, I do agree with it because I feel like the rule is going to change anyway. In six months, you're going to have an opportunity to, to transfer and go anywhere you want, uh, one-time transfer, and, and I'm in support of that as well. Yes, I am. 
you think that rule change would happen for this season if the presidents vote on that? Is that your understanding? I think there's a possibility. Yes, I do. How, how would you evaluate the play of your pass catchers on Saturday? Our receivers and tight ends you're talking about? And yeah, yeah they uh, – not good enough. Overall, overall, not good enough. Um, there were some – there were some – good plays um, and uh, I, I feel like there, there's there's guys there that will step up, but uh, I don't want to put that all on them as well. Mark, it's always easiest for us to see mistakes for defensive backs. So I, I just wanted to ask you, how did you think Kelvin Joseph played on Saturday, especially the one penalty that obviously uh, got a lot of attention? Yeah, the penalty's inexcusable. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, I show – our players, uh, you know, a football IQ film every Monday and silly, selfish penalties are on there each and every week. And uh, usually it's at the expense of another team, uh, but it will be on there at the expense of our own team this week. And we can't have that. We won't play that way. Uh, but I will say this, he is, he is a competitive son of a gun. And, and uh, you know, I, I could uh, work with, with Kelvin, that, that's for sure. I thought he did some really good things in the game, and he is uh, competitive and uh, plays that plays it. You know, made some mistakes. He's he's, he's going to be rusty like a lot of guys. He hasn't played in a long time uh, with sitting out last year. So uh, his first competitive action in some time. I thought he really did some good things. There's a lot of good things to build on. All right, Shane, you can confirm this because a lot of people I think are going to be like, yeah, whatever, but. We knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on Sunday evening. You know, there was talk of the waivers getting all cleared. Yeah. And I just appreciate Mark Stoops coming forward with this because <laughs> here's the details of it. And uh, we'll get to Lane Kiffin in a minute, but he was asked about it twice. The first time said, oh, hell, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then they said, well, Mark Stoops said, he's like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, I didn't, that's, I didn't know we were allowed to talk about it. That's right. Lane can't keep secret, can he? It's like they they did the old good cop confused cop routine, you know? It's like <laughs> you were there, weren't you? No, are you sure? Because somebody else said you were. Well, if he said I was, then yeah, I guess I was there. So <laughs> I just love it. I love it. So uh, yeah, this thing got expedited, man. And mm-hmm. uh, I am I am curious. I, I mean, obviously, we know Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky. Those are teams that are obviously going to be a that that are obviously going to be for it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine Auburn oppose it now that Joey hasn't played, you know. So possibly there's four there. It's just I wonder how these other presidents are taking. I wonder. Is this well, I think we pop- know how George is going to vote. <laughs> oh, I know George is going to shut that down real quick. And I, I think I think Alabama would too. I mean, because let's let's face it, Mike. Most of these. Most of these, the ones that we're going to be talking about, are going to be from schools that can recruit well, and, and the players just—they're not getting the playing time that they that they expected. That's usually what happens with these transfers. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to lump everybody in the same thing, but you think of teams that have uh, notoriously recruited well, like Alabama's and Georgias and you know LSU's and stuff like that. Are they going to be the ones that shoot it down? And I'm just kind of curious, are we going to, is this going to be public knowledge? Are we going to kind of hear uh, this thing come down to the wire or something, you know? Right. So my thoughts on it, I want to credit the SEC for, you know, at least taking this step. And I've heard people say, well, 
I guess I don't think they're very informed, but I've just heard it where they're saying, well, this wouldn't even take effect till next year. Well, newsflash, they wouldn't have an emergency meeting to vote for next year. They would have just, they would have done that at the spring meetings that they have. Right. So this is for this year. And we all know, hell, Mark Stoops even talked about it just there. You know, in a, here in about six months, he's, this is going to be legal by the all NCA standards anyway. So this is for this year and it's going to a, you know, potentially get guys like Joey Gatewood, Cade Mays, Otis Reese, their eligibility. But it is a little disappointing that it took this long because, you know, one thing you didn't mention there, I do think Auburn would be in favor of it now that they don't have to face Joey Gatewood. But that's kind of unfair to a team like Alabama, who still has to play Kentucky, and now they have to face Kentucky. What if Joey Gatewood, like I've been saying, should be the starting quarterback? Now that's a major sure. advantage Kentucky's going to have against Alabama that they didn't have against Auburn yeah. because this was not in effect. So, you know, that's just one example. I'm not certainly not saying they should vote this down. They, these kids need to be eligible immediately. But I think SEC a little dropped the ball waiting until into the season. I mean, it's 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 maybe it's just a slight competitive advantage, but it's still a competitive advantage and. I certainly hope there's not a team or two out there that looks that's looking at it that way and saying, well, I don't want to face Cade Mays. You yeah. know, I'm going to vote no on this thing. So I certainly hope that doesn't happen. But I, in the back of my mind, I got it that, that it might. And um, maybe this is why Greg Sankey, you know, when asked about this repeatedly last week, said, you know, he kept pointing at the rule and wouldn't talk about it because he knew they were going to have this, this vote or what have you. And, he really did leave it up to the to the SEC presidents to kind of make this decision, but mm-hmm. like I said, this should have been done weeks, if not months ago. And why we're doing this in the middle of a pandemic season, week <laughs> into the season? <laughs> uh, I mean, we had plenty of time to do this. Well, and you know, it's it it's kind of was embarrassing uh, the fact that it's not just the SEC, the NCAA. I mean, these boys just got cleared. They had all summer to to clear the and they didn't and they waited to the very last minute, which kind of forces SEC. I mean, think about it. We're we're a couple weeks in, but if everything were normal, we'd be what week four right now, mm-hmm. and, and just now getting the news that they were cleared. So um, I I don't know. I just think it was kind of an kind of an embarrassment situation and and uh, whatever whatever happens happens. You know, obviously they're having this meeting because it's a lot of influential people think that it needs to be discussed and uh hopefully we'll we'll have some clarity sooner than later uh, i hope they are transparent with the information this is this is what i hate man i mean i sometimes i've worked at places and it's like they got to have a freaking committee for everything you know you gotta mm-hmm. you need a simple solution but you got to go to here you got to do this you got to jump through <laughs> hoops and next thing you know you know you gotta get this oh wait then you know it's just and then when it gets down to the end we wasted all this time for a simple decision yes or no you know we're, we we don't we're not counting eligibility this year it should be a simple answer mike mm-hmm. if, if 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 i'm i'm watching somebody uh, on that offensive line or uh, or in the linebacker or a cornerback or something like that, and he's on his fifth year, but now he has the ability to come back for his sixth year, you know, but this kid can't play because, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I hope they clear all this up. What about the South Carolina? Is he going to get cleared too, or uh, is he still – or we're still waiting NCAA on him, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's still an NCAA, but hell, 
if you're going to give everybody a waiver, let's give him a waiver too. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. South Carolina, they need some help at the receiver spot. Let's uh, yeah. let's give it to uh, Tennessee. Should vote yes on that one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they already passed South Carolina. I concur. I concur. <laughs> All right, let's jump to the other side of this one, Oxford. Auditario, Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin uh, spoke here briefly on Kentucky's strengths, on why Ole Miss pass defense was, you know, so poor last week. And then on Matt Corral, who, you know, he had a hell of a game, but Lane Kiffin notes, you know, there's room for improvement in his game. Lane, can you talk specifically about the challenges Kentucky presents uh, heading into Saturday? Well, I think they're very disciplined on defense. They don't do a lot of things, but they know what they're doing really well. Um, offensively, they, they run the ball really well, veteran offensive line. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we're still in beginning phases of them, but that's what I seem to know so far. Lane, do you think your, your past coverage problems on Saturday were more about uh, things going on on the back end or a lack of consistent pressure on Trask? I think both. I mean, anytime you give up <clears throat> the numbers we gave up, um, you know, it's not just one area. So we did not get very much rush, um, and we didn't cover that well. So that's not a good combination. That's how you, you know, like I said during the game, I said this is how you end up with, you know, a battle for the SEC Offensive Player of the Year between the quarterback and the tight end. But that was before, that was before uh, Mississippi State had played, so that probably changed. Coach, after getting to watch the film from Saturday, what do you see from Matt Corral that you liked and where can he make some improvements going into this week? Well, I think he did a good job with his feet getting out of trouble. Um, I think he was very composed, really good adjusting with him on the sidelines. Uh, both quarterbacks were. and But his feet are a little bit all over the place at times in the passing game, and so uh, we got to clean that up because he was late on some balls that you know, we're really open that ended up being completed, but could have been touchdowns. Lane, uh, Mark Stoops said earlier today that um, the SEC presidents plan on voting soon regarding the possibility to allow in-conference transfers to play. Um, as it pertains to this reach, that could obviously have an effect. Have you heard anything about that and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I did not know that was public. That's why I, the previous question I said, you know, that we were supposed to hear more today, but yeah, I guess since that's out there, we I was told that vote, I believe, was happening today. And so I think we're supposed to find out, and that would obviously change things. Lane, just on the logistics of the first road trip, what <clears throat> sort of different measures have to be in place this year with COVID, and kind of what will that first week of travel look like for you guys? Well, we have more buses than normal. I, I don't know what that's going to do because then we're going to get on a plane and all sit by each other. So. What, what, what good does that do? I have no idea, but it makes it look like we're doing something, I guess. So I, I, I don't understand it. And we're going to go on a plane, and everybody's going to be right next to each other. And so it is what it is. David, give it our last question. Burn some extra gas. So look at it like this, Shane. I mean, Kentucky obviously struggled to pass the ball, and that's what Ole Miss struggled to defend. So maybe they don't have to worry about that so much this week. And then at you know on the flip side, Kentucky, you know, really in in the second half there against Bo Nix and that Auburn passing game had their issues. So you know it's way too early to make a pick in this game. I'm not asking you to do that, but should Kentucky be on upset alert here with a uh, with what we saw out of you know the Rebels? I, you you want to say yes, but I think 
I think anybody that watched that game realized that Kentucky just needs to get back their roots. If they get back, if they try playing Lane Kiffin ball, they're they're going to be struggling again. They can't. They need to dictate how this game goes with that offensive line, with those running backs, and I don't care who they got at quarterback. I'm not. I don't need to see Terry throw it more than ten times. Uh, they need to get back to what Kentucky does, and that's just dominate up front and run the ball. If they do that, that gives their defense plenty of time to rest. So when they're out there, then boom, we got our three and outs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then if you keep that up, Ole Miss, I mean, they've got some talent on that team, but, dude, they're thin. I mean, it, you saw it last week. They were exhausted by the end of that third quarter. If you if you can exploit that, then I think Kentucky will be fine. But if they get out there and they try to go toe-in-toe with what Lane's putting out and throwing the ball and going crazy all over the field and trying to make Terry Wilson something that Terry Wilson isn't, then, yeah, I could see Ole Miss pulling off the upset here. All right, Shane, uh, the second matchup we're going to preview today, let's kick it on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Sam Pittman met with the media here on Monday to talk about Mississippi State. And, my God, once you got – Georgia ground and pound type offense. Now you got to prepare for Mike Leach air raid. Mm-hmm. And we all know, you know, what happened with LSU. I mean, they got, I know Stingley was out and everything. And uh, the latest from Ed Orgeron is that Stingley is expected to play this week. So that's good news. Expected back to practice on Tuesday. But uh, Sam Pittman, you know, he's got a task in front of him. You know, th- this is. Um, I don't want to say, you know, it's way, way too early to get in the danger zone here already because I thought they played very well for the most part against Georgia, particularly in that first half. Hell, they were winning the game here. But he's got to get them in a, you know, in a mindset that they can win. I mean, hey, you got the media members here. We'll, we'll get to it in a second. But they're asking him, hey, you know, you lost, even though he's not part of it, you lost 20 in a row here at Arkansas in SEC games. <laughs> you know, how long is it going to take to get one of these? So, I mean – we're one game into his tenure. They're asking him when he's going to win his game. Yeah, that's not cool. I didn't like that question. Also, you know, when you're listening to to this one, I just want you to know the audio is terrible. I mean, it's it's not terrible. Sam just talks low, but you can't crank it. Don't crank it. I'm just warning you because I did, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, one of the reporters start yelling into your 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 headset. So, anyway, I. I some of these questions I liked, I did not care for that one because it's a clean slate, man. This is a new ball club. I'm extremely happy. I mean, if anybody watched that Arkansas game, I mean, obviously they'd love to have a victory, but you played Georgia Bulldogs. Some have crowned them as the East champs already, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, you went toe-to-toe with these guys and had an opportunity to win. And honestly, if you were as – you know, if you had a little bit more competitive depth, you may have gone the distance and won this thing. Or if a couple of breaks went your way, I just, I can't imagine you walked away from this game and say, you know what, uh, we're in worse, worse position than we were uh, this time last year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they took huge steps forward and I think this was a fantastic game and, and there are brighter days ahead for Arkansas Razorbacks and they're going to get some victories this year, man. And, and if anybody starts doubting it, it has nothing to do with 20. No, Coach Pittman is 0-1 right now, and he went against a good ball club. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities that comes up that they're going to have a chance to win. Well, let's kick it over to Coach uh, Sam Pittman here, Shane, and then uh, we'll discuss it on the other side. 
Sam, I'm wondering what you think, uh, what areas you think you guys can get better quickly? Like what you saw that was right on the brink, what areas that you can be better at this week? I think we have to, we have to be um, a lot better on special teams. Uh, Georgia dominated us on special teams. We couldn't get off holdups. Um, we obviously gave up a block punt on something very simple that, that we should have we worked on it, but it just didn't happen in the game. Uh, just blocking, basically. Uh, you look at the offense, I think there's still too much indecisiveness about where to line up. Uh, about, uh, you know, I knew that we were going to struggle uh, up front against Georgia's defensive line. I mean, I, I, going into the game, I didn't think we was going to be able to pound the ball at them. We got to play better up front. We had to play faster physical uh, up front on offense. Uh, we need to play more uh, players on defense. I think we got tired. We played a lot of play snaps in the first half, about the same in the second half. Uh, but uh, special teams has to improve in a quick way, and we can fix that. And, and our offense just has to be more consistent, more urgency. Um, it would to me it just we were just off uh almost the entire game yeah coach uh just the matchup against mike leach this weekend in mississippi state uh have, have you had much experience with mike leach and just what do you think of him as a coach and what has made him so successful as a college coach especially with his air raid type offense that he's been so good at for so long well i think he's really smart i mean uh if you watch um, he basically, I don't know what he does, but it seemed to me like he checks the pass game like most people check the run game. And he wants to find out whether you're in man, whether you're in zone, whether you're in three, whether you're in four, whether you're in two, and then uh, goes to attack and knows how to attack it. Um, he'd been doing this a long time. And, you know, I met him first when he was at the University of Oklahoma We'd just gotten fired, and and uh, they came in there and did a great job there. But he's an outstanding football coach, and and uh, I've met him, but I don't know him well. But I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, he he sure as heck had his team prepared, ready to play on Saturday. How long do you think it's gonna take you to achieve that goal of winning a SEC game? Uh, right now it's 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 20 consecutive losses but how long do you think it's going to take you to get that SEC game win I'm hoping Saturday that'd be long enough you know I I, I don't know um you know we we uh, we're all disappointed that we lost uh, to Georgia um but in my opinion, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And so we just got to keep working. I mean, we're blue collar school, blue collar university, blue collar state. We got to go to work and that's what we did. And I think it showed there in the, in the first half, but we got to figure out how to finish a game. And certainly uh, whenever that win comes, I don't know, but I know we're certainly striving for it and working, working that, that direction. Hey, I love that answer, though. Hey, how about Saturday? 
Saturday will be that <laughs> yeah. win, but uh... that's the answer. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and here's, you know, there's one thing that uh, is often overlooked in college football. And, you know, it's just like an immeasurable thing. So I, th- I guess that's part of the reason. But here you got Mississippi State, Sky, you know, you're flying sky high, just mm-hmm. one on national television. Everyone's crowning you. Uh, KJ Costello, SEC Player of the Week. Uh, Mike Leach coming in on the damn bandwagon. And then here you got a angry, pissed off Arkansas team looking to prove itself. I think there's a good chance that Mississippi State's coming into this game. You don't want to say too much confidence, but you know maybe reading their press clippings a little too much because if they overlook Arkansas, like I see, not you know there's a lot of smart people out there that know how much talent and and how good coaches Arkansas has now, and that showed itself on Saturday. But you know the casual fan just thinks this is the worst damn team ever created. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not that bad so i don't know i guess i'm myself i'm putting mississippi state even though i'm on the bandwagon i'm putting them on upset <laughs> alert here shane yeah well i i'm with you too and, and because that's what they're preaching man yeah i mean you heard it there when he's talking about the blue collar uh workers uh, that's a blue collar state you know that's that's the mentality blue collars have it's just nose to the grindstone and you know we came up short last week but we're going to be prepared and ready to go this week you know this you know mississippi state may come in with their high flying offense but if we stick to our fundamentals you know we can control the outcome of this game and i i think arkansas is further along than people think that i mean because i mean think the one question was uh to the zero and 20 that's Arkansas is not an 0-20 team, man. Mm-hmm. They're a team that can win any given Saturday. they got plenty of talent on that roster. And if Mississippi State comes in, just think they're going to steamroll everybody, man. They had a lot of breaks go their way to beat LSU. If those breaks go the the opposite way against uh, against Arkansas, guess what, man? You, you're going to get your first loss this year. So uh, they've got to get back to to fixing their mistakes. There was a lot of great things that happened that game, but – they weren't – it wasn't the perfect game. I mean, nobody watched it and said, you know what, this is the best team I've ever seen. There was a lot of great things, uh, and, and, and it could and it can only improve. But if you think you've already made it to the top of that summit, buddy, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to get a hard-nosed team like Arkansas, and they're going to catch you off guard, and next thing you're going to know, you're going to say, damn, we're one and one, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for all the praise of Bo Pelini, I mean, I'm not burying the guy yet or anything, but – Hell, I think it's been about 10 years since he's been in the SEC. We were buying the hype from Coach O, but we'll get to more Coach O and LSU on the next episode. But, I mean, he came at, flat out, said, you know, they never really adjusted, and that's on Bo Pelini. So I think they just they went in with their game plan. They thought it was going to work. It didn't. And yeah. they, they just kept getting torched. And I got not a doubt in my mind Barry Odom is uh, – it's not going to come in there with one plan, and if it don't work, we're just going to keep doing it. So uh, I think I actually I got a lot more confidence in Barry Odom than I do Bo Pelini at the moment. And every time I see Bo Pelini, I think of that you, – you ever seen that fake account on Twitter, that fake <laughs> Bo Pelini, yeah. and he's holding a cat? Yeah. <laughs> I saw him a little – I was like – I was like, man, I could see him holding that cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
All right, let's skip on uh, down to Starkville, where Mike Leach, man, he was on he was on a wild one today on Monday. You think you know coming in on this damn bandwagon and flying high, he'd want to be touting everything, but no. On the flip side, he's praising Arkansas. He liked what he saw from the defense, uh, Barry Odom's defense. We were just talking about. He sees a lot of improvement from KJ Costell. This is what I was trying to say, you know, on the on the episode on Monday. I mean, hell, yeah, we know he lit up the scoreboard, but he made plenty of mistakes, too. So he's got to get yeah. that cleaned up if they're going to, you know, continue this this pace that they're on. And then uh, on why his offense was so successful week one, let's kick it over to Coach real quick. Coach, Arkansas held Georgia to just five first-half points last weekend. What's your first impression of what you've seen from their defense from last week? Um, Arkansas's defense? yeah. Um, I, well, I thought they're, I thought they're a pretty tenacious group. You know, I thought that they moved around well. I thought they were aggressive. Um, you know, and they took, uh, well, they just flat out took a half away from Georgia. And I thought that was, um, quite impressive. And then, um, I felt like they played really hard. I think that they've got some speed out there. And then, um, I think that, you know, schematically that's of course, uh, worked in the past in this conference and uh so i think it'll be a good challenge mike i'm just wondering where you or anybody else got an actual bandwagon for that video this morning you know um <clears throat> we actually made it uh, not uh, too long ago hang on where did we get that wagon well, okay, you, your, your answer is as satisfactory as mine is they found it. And then, um, so, uh, I guess, that, I don't know, they wanted a wagon, so we went over there to the stadium, climbed in, and that was uh, a very, fairly athletic, uh, if, I, if I do say so myself, getting on top of that wagon. And, um, you know, and they, uh, they're pretty creative here and did a good job uh, putting it together. But now I pretty much just got a call and, hey, uh, we – uh, if you don't mind saying a few words and and then uh, we went in the tunnel of the stadium and they said all right here's a wagon we want you to sit here and so then uh, it was kind of funny um, so I climbed in on the wagon you know using the hub and the spokes like you see them do on westerns and but they didn't have the brake on so that thing starts uh, uh, the wheel starts turning and the, the, the wagon starts going backwards you see so anyway but it was an adventure and uh, turned out kind of cool, I heard, you know. Whenever you have a quarterback do what K.J. did last week at LSU and you see the stats and things, I, I know that, you know, you win awards and that sort of deal, but I know that probably internally there's still a lot you'd like him to fix uh, even after a performance like that. When you evaluate him, what do you think K.J., uh, as you look at the film, could do even better, I guess, heading in, into the rest of the season? <clears throat> Uh, I, think, I think I think he needs to communicate better. I think he needs to communicate better uh, when he moves in the pocket. Keep two hands on the football. Um, some of the plays he can read and react better. I think he, you know, he read the the field pretty good and reacted pretty good. But you know, the, then there's all everybody's got <clears throat> the handful of plays where we didn't. Uh, um, I think we got to refine that even more. And then. Um, you know, because we weren't perfect by any stretch. We didn't coach a perfect game. We didn't play a perfect game. You know, we we uh, we had a winning effort, but we weren't a polished group out there. We left an awful lot on the table out there, and 
that's the thing. I mean, you're constantly trying to chase and be your best. And Hey, Mike, yeah, we've talked about KJ a lot, and obviously he had a lot to do with uh, the reason your offense did so well. But I, I went back and looked at your first game at Washington State and then at Texas Tech, and obviously this one was by far um, numbers-wise better than both of those. What are some other reasons why the air raid worked so well in week one, you know, beyond KJ doing what he did? Um, I think, <clears throat> I think one thing is, is, um, I think one thing is, is he was experienced and was able to pick it up quickly. I think the other thing is, I think our coaching staff had, had more experience together, um, you know, with regard to the transition, you know, like at Texas Tech, you know, that was my first head coaching job. So, and there were some people that I knew, but, you know, out of the blocks, uh, you know, first time being a head coach, that's a, uh, a little bit like uh, when you first get married, you know, you can describe it to somebody, but that's not, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that first year you'll you'll learn quite a bit about uh, yourself and and your spouse and all the above, you know, and so um, yeah, yeah, it's in uh, which is why some aren't the Marion type. It's like W. C. Field says, if at first you don't succeed, try again, uh, you know, and then but then if you don't succeed, don't be a damn fool. Stop. You know. All right, Shane. So at least Mike Leach taking Arkansas pretty seriously here, and yeah, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting that him talking about his offense and and just how successful they were against LSU, and you know, he didn't see seem a damn bit surprised by it, and just KJ Costello being able to, it's kind of like you said. I mean, this is just like a recruiting pitch to every quarterback and receiver out there. Just come on, yeah. come on down if you're ready to play at a high level takes us about a month to, to get you out there and we'll be, we'll go break some records. Absolutely, man. Do you think coach Leach sleeps? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think about that because I, sometimes I'll wake, I got notifications on when he tweets, that's just, I, I'm always looking forward to the next thing he sends out. <laughs> and like, sometimes it's in the middle of the night, you know, sometimes he's tweeting right before the game. You know, like, I mean, I, I would imagine he was in the tunnel when he fired off that retweet. And then on his way back, he's firing off tweets and stuff. I just, I don't know. It's just, I, I could just imagine him like insomnia, like he just wakes up in the middle of the night and he's just, he's thinking about plays to run. And he's thinking if he could, you know, if it's possible, if he could drive a Sherman tank at some point in his life, you know, it's just like, you just, I can only imagine the inner workings of coach leech's mind and uh but well you know how he gets to the office don't you oh god is it good i don't know now it sounds good i can't confirm that he that he does this at mississippi state but i assume it is because this Wait, was let me guess this is was a huge moped? thing when he was at washington state he did it every day moped <laughs> no <laughs> that'd be great i could see it no apparently he lived and it was it was a long distance i think it was like three miles or something like that yeah he he walked it every day, to and from, and it took him like an hour or something crazy like that. He he just does it every day, and it, like that's his time to think and reflect. And they got you know people they're interviewing people. He just walks like right through people's backyards because it's a shortcut. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta you gotta think Mississippi State fans are like hell. I don't care. He can go right through our yard if he keeps winning these yeah. games. You know it. Better be careful, though. You know, you got to warm up to them first before you just start cutting through their lawn. You know, <laughs> oh, there's some pretty grass down there in Mississippi, man. You got to be careful. So, 
I love that, man. No, that's that's cool, man. I could see the moped though. Uh, the more I think about it, you know, like just imagine how much fuel money he could save. So I don't know. This this is uh, we've got a lot more coach Coach Leach coming up, but you know, I for all the jokes that we make, the guy is he is an offensive guru, and I wonder, Mike. I do wonder, you know, because. They they made mention about his first game at Texas Tech. He made the first mention of Washington State. You know, mm-hmm. is you know, there's a lot of people in the back of their mind. They're like, oh, you know, was this was this a one hit wonder, man? You know what I'm saying? Is do you think this is something that that continues to go? Do you think the momentum builds up, or or do you think that this uh, this type of offense is 600 passing yards? Does it come down to earth a little bit? Yeah, to be honest with you, you know, the main thing when I went and rewatched this game mm-hmm. was I think it was more – now, this is going to sound like I'm being disrespectful to Mississippi State because they deserve everything they're getting right now. But I think it was more about LSU just being ill-prepared, not having their guys, not adjusting. You know, we're the champs, reading their press clippings. And, I mean, Coach O says it, Bo Pelini, he didn't throw him under the bus or anything, but, hell, they were just challenged him. And, and hell, I mean, that's kind of what Mike Leach says. I mean, we thought they were going to do one thing. They did something else. They never adjusted. And we made them pay over and over. The, Mississippi State had 383 yards after the catch. I mean, how do you, you know, when it gets to about 100, how do you not adjust? I don't know. But, right. uh, so, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be doing this every week. But, hell, I think if you get in a favorable matchups here, they've, they've already proven they've got receiving talent. This is what people in Mississippi State have been saying for years. we got the talent down here. These guys are just, for whatever reason, not getting it done. And um, I think even the guys that didn't get an opportunity to make a play. Remember, they got the bearded Schrader now as a receiver. they got uh, Malik Heath, who is a number one overall junior college receiver. I mean, he's on the roster. they got, they got more guys to unleash. So they've got the weapons. They've got some freshmen that are highly touted. So I think they're going to – this is not going to be the last time they throw for 600 yards. Well, 600, I mean, that's that's <laughs> five. I think they'll throw for 500, at, you know, a couple more times this year. But I don't know if they're going to break the record every week or anything like that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And, and let me ask you one last question, kind of unrelated but not really. How hot is Bo Pelini's seat right now? <sighs> buddy there's probably a for sale sign <laughs> being Damn. placed in his yard <laughs> right now and he better shut vanderbilt out with their true freshman if he don't man we got we're oh. gonna have a real problem here we are gonna have a real problem man. they got florida oh. in uh two two weeks here they got to get it right and get it right soon so yeah i just i don't know i i, I know there's gonna be a lot of people upset I mean, I mean a lot of people are upset at the hire to begin with Right. No, they they didn't want him. So just the fact that they were able to not show anything uh, during that game, I just man, I can only imagine. Yeah, I would. Hopefully, he's just got a rental down there. You know, like he didn't like get a mortgage and all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey Shay. Well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie, the online sports book. Head on over to mybookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. 
That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC, that's T H A T S E C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some, some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that SEC. Mike Leach, speaking of just going off topic here, he was asked, we had to use these clips. He was asked about the bandwagon video. This is great. And then the you know the the most perfect thing of all he was asked about uh his face mask and you know why he was having so much trouble i think someone was like trying to get i think they were trying to get they were trying to get him a got like a gotcha you know like you yeah. need to wear your mask or whatever and man he just took it in a different direction yeah i heard that and i was like this is bait <laughs> <laughs> coach uh, i want to go back to saturday's game for just a second you didn't have a wear or wear a face covering actively for a lot of the game uh why not well i tried to remember the best i could then i found myself talking all of the time um you know because i'm calling the plays as well so i was in a constant state of talking so between uh me taking it down to talk uh, me lifting it out uh up and it uh, falling down on its own and me remembering to put it back up i think uh uh, you know, there were a number of challenges there, but, uh, you know, with, uh, with a little practice, who knows, it may be better this week. Nicole, how'd you do it? How'd you do it with your face mask? Did you, are you pretty good face mask guy? I, I do my best. What, uh, okay. So let me ask you, let's get a few pointers here. Okay. What do you do when the, uh, so, um, it does the breathe in thing on the mouth. What, what kind of face mask you got? I got a just one I bought off Amazon that you know goes around my ears and that kind of the, thing. So the ears and then this, right? Yeah. See, I've got that face sock thing, which yeah. is good and bad. It sits right on your neck instead of hangs from your ear. But then, uh, do you do you ever find that you know when and then pretty soon, um, you know those things will start to smell bad, and and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're going. <laughs> you know what's that smell what's going on out there no there's nothing going on out there that's your breath and then uh so uh now i need to i need to practice with that but what what do you do um when you're talking did you have a trigger or something to remind you when to pull that thing back up because i i found myself uh too preoccupied to do it, and then all of a sudden i notice it's around my neck there yeah i mean i think everyone's different so i was just curious what your thinking was if it was a pull if it was some kind of statement if it was i i try i try to do my i try to do my best with it but once you're six feet apart i can't help but wonder if some of this isn't uh, an homage to politicians i have to be honest i haven't quite gotten the hang of the cutout people in the stands you know i mean that's an episode of uh of Twilight Zone. Some of you guys are you guys are probably all too young for Twilight Zone, but I mean the black and white Twilight Zone where Rod Sterling would get on there with the really creepy voice in the suit 
and then all of a sudden, you know, is this real? Is it out of out of space? Is it, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, it was almost like, uh, you know, haunted houses met uh, science fiction that uh, that show. And then, and then now all of a sudden we have uh, these people frozen in time sitting there in this stadium with enthusiastic expressions on their face, but they can't move. And and then yet the noise. So I I don't know. I mean I for one, um, I don't know if it's cool and and um, and uh, and people enjoy it. Great, uh, but it, it that that is a little uh, surreal. The the fake people in the stands, and I don't even know how they decide what you know the seating. I mean, do they have the, do the fake people have a lottery of where they sit? Because I know this. Some of those fake people have way better seats than other ones. And and and. You know, I want to be one of those fake people on the 50-yard line about row 12. But, you know, some of them are still up in the rafters, you know. So, I mean, uh, you know, in this world, in this day and age, in these funny times, even a fake person can get screwed, you know. So, um, yeah. So, uh, live clean, live smart, and maybe uh, when you become a fake person, you'll get good seats at the LSU game. All right, anything else? I don't think you could uh, – you can't get Mike Leach on something like this. You ask him one thing and he'll go just completely – I mean, he just goes 360 all around it and turns that's it right. back on you. I mean, that's – this was masterful, wasn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, he he's asking the guy how to wear a mask and he didn't want to answer it, you know. So, what's <laughs> what's the proper way of doing it? So, I, I just – it's tough, man. It is so tough. I, I work at a place that I have to wear a mask and – you know, you're constantly fidgeting with it. And I, I mean, I get it. It's extremely frustrating. And then there's sometimes, dude, you forget you got it on. I walked, I, I went to the grocery store the other day and I, I'm, I'm halfway down aisle two. And I realized that I'm the only guy in there without a mask. You know? <laughs> so I, was like, I forget, you know, so I, I totally get that. But, um, yeah, that was a that was a bait question, man. Uh, <laughs> if, if I've ever heard it, I love the bandwagon, though. The, that that if you get get on there check that video out uh this worked out well for mississippi state and they cash in man cash in you are hot right now all the recruits got their eyes on you all the all the 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 mediocre college football fans got their eyes on you you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so cash in I, oh I, and I, I hey i forgot to ask you too what about the damn cutouts he's afraid of the cutouts in the damn twilight zone <laughs> I love it. He's like, some of them got better seats than others. You know? <laughs> you know what I'd hate? Because they're allowing 20-something thousand fans in there, right? You mm-hmm. know? So wouldn't it suck? You're sitting up there, and then, like, that cutout's got a better seat than you, and it's not even a real person, you know? <laughs> uh, if I didn't like the party I was with, I'd just go down there and move one of them. Maybe they wouldn't catch me. I'd just sit there and just act still, don't stand up or anything. <laughs> Oh, jeez. All right, Shay, let's uh, kick it on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Next, where uh, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide coming off their big win there against Missouri. You know, they're fired up for their game against Texas A&M. They've probably been hearing. This just feels like one of those games. Now, I don't, you know, I think everyone's expecting a lopsided result based on what we saw week one. I think Texas A&M will show up and, you know, this is kind of like a prove-it game for them, but... Mm-hmm. Things just the wheels seem to be coming off here on Jimbo's program, and I don't know. I just got a feeling that this is one of those games where, you know, for whatever reason, they probably got my damn tweet 
in the locker room, you know, picking Texas A&M, oh, you know, they, they use anything and everything from, from motivation down there in Tuscaloosa. And this kind of feels like one of those where they want to come out and just win by 50 and, and just put the SEC, put the nation on notice here. Mm-hmm. Did you delete that one yet? I mean, you've got a few days, Mike, if you want to go ahead and clear out a few. <laughs> For Paul Feinbaum has you back on there again. No, I just, I, Texas, I'm a little worried about them. Didn't they have another opt-out today? Yeah, so a defensive back, Clifford Chapman, played in 12 games last year, started three at nickel. He has opted out. So, again, in the middle, you know, well, I guess not in the middle, but after the season starts, not great in College Station. Now, all that gets wiped away. You beat Alabama, no one's going to give a damn. But I have no idea how that's going to happen, the way they're played in the opener. You know what? No, unless they were, like, literally holding everything back. Uh, you know, again, it goes back to fundamental football with, uh, with Texas A&M, I think, I mean, with all the turnovers and I, I really don't think they wanted to show too much because they knew they had Alabama right around the corner, but you know, they didn't expect this thing to be a ball game going into the fourth quarter either. So yeah, they got to work. They're definitely going to have to work some shit out this week, but I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, they still got talent. I mean, that roster is, is loaded with talent. There's there's a lot of NFL players on that team, just like there are uh, with Alabama. So, yeah, maybe – who knows? Maybe we are slip, slipping on a, a game here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban real quick. He talked about uh, Jalen Waddell's progression this offseason. You know, I went back and watched that game. I mean, he was just so dynamic. I mean, he's taking his game to the next level. He's looking like one of the best receivers in the nation, more, mm-hmm. you know, all-around player than just a returner and a slot guy. And then on Mac Jones, his pocket awareness, those are kind of the standouts today from Nick Saban's presser. Mine and your standouts are different, you know? (laughs) I'm thinking about the penny. (laughs) Did I include that? You want me to? Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah, Coach, uh, Jalen Waddell seems like he's been a guy who's a playmaker pretty much from when he got on campus, but – how much has he progressed since then? And, and also, is he the guy that's just kind of fun, even on the sidelines, to watch an open field? Well, he's fun to watch, that's for sure, um, whether he's in punt return, kickoff return, uh, playing on the field. Uh, I, I think the, the big thing that Jalen has sort of uh, expanded his role and, and his game is, you know, he can play all the positions at receiver now. We can move him around. Uh, before he was mostly a slot guy, um, but now he can make plays anywhere on the field, and I think that's very helpful. Um, you know, guys like him. You know, you expect people to try to double. You know, guys like him. So when you can move him around, that makes it a little bit more difficult for the defense. And um, you know, this guy's got you know great energy, plays with great enthusiasm, loves to play, great competitor, uh, really a joy to be around. Mac Jones has an ability, it seems, to, to move within the pocket and climb the pocket while also keeping his eyes down the field. I was wondering, in your experience, how, how coachable is that and, and how much of it just is of a guy being comfortable in the pocket? Well, I think it's sort of a combination of both. Um, you know, Mac is pretty instinctive. He doesn't look down at the rush. He keeps his eyes down the field. Uh, he has a good feel on the pocket of how to move and create 
you know, lanes for himself to throw the ball in and also avoid the rush. He keeps two hands on the ball in the pocket, which is really important. Um, and uh, I think he's got a really good grasp of the offense, so he has a really good expectation of where people are going to be. And I think he only made maybe one bad read in the game or one misread, I would say, and the rest of the time he was pretty much on point. Oh, sorry, Coach. Coach, when, uh, when you see Jalen Waddle make a big catch like that through contact over the middle, and then Mac Jones take a hit like he did and throw a perfect strike to Dylan, what do plays like that do the rest of the team at that point in the game? Well, I, I think that um, these guys both set a great, great example uh, in terms of how they compete, the toughness they show in a game. Uh, and I think that uh, has a tremendous impact on, you know, everyone else. I mean, it certainly should. If, if you know, players are bought into the team and they're rooting for their teammates and they're into the game, um, anybody that's a competitor has, you know, a special appreciation for, you know, guys making great plays. And uh, sometimes great plays come out of toughness, not just, you know, fantastic ability. So uh, I, I think those two guys you know, represented what we're trying to teach in terms of intangibles, you know, the kind of toughness, the kind of effort, the kind of uh, focus that you have to sustain your intensity for 60 minutes in the game. And uh, I think those two guys exemplified that fairly well in the game. We'll go to Dennis Dodd. Hey, Coach, this is a little off topic, but I wanted to ask you about that lucky penny that, that Kristen gives you before each game. Just what does that tradition mean to you? Well, it means a lot, you know. I'm <laughs> I, I, I hate to admit that I'm superstitious, but um, so um, it's it's worked pretty well in the past, and hopefully it'll continue to work. And uh, I don't think people understand what Kristen goes through sometimes to, you know, get that penny to me. Especially, you know, this week she's we got a new grandbaby that she has to take care of, and. You know, she had to go through a lot to get that penny to me, and I appreciate it. Well, here we go. We got Nick Saban, superstitious. He's got all these elite players, but the game comes down to the damn penny for him. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you. So I'm, I'm superstitious too, man. I really am. I've got a lot of quirky things that I do, and I just I can't undo it. There's, You know, there's things with numbers and, and whatever, man. I mean, I – I'm superstitious and I'll never, I was watching the, the South Carolina game the other day and, and things were kind of going good. It was like right there at the very end, they kicked that field goal and we're like, and then everybody, somebody sent out a tweet and it says, don't move where you're from where you're at. You know what I'm saying? Like, like superstitious. And I was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't, you know, cause I was about to get up, you know, but things were going good. And I'm not saying that I caused that muff punt. I'm not doing that, but <laughs> I will tell you right now, my fat ass didn't leave that spot on the couch. So maybe that's where I'm going to watch my next game. So <laughs> I'm extremely superstitious and I love hearing the coaches tell stories, little stories like this, because, uh, it means a lot to them. So if Jimbo wants to win this thing, he better go find that damn penny and hide it. <laughs> Let's kick it on over to College Station where Jimbo met with the media as well. Talked about, uh, you know, how to just be competitive about Alabama. That's, you know, you're in year three. You're getting these questions. I didn't see that coming. How do you just be competitive with Alabama on the challenge of playing Alabama? And here you go, Shane. These are two things you hinted at the last episode. Kellen Bond 
Is it time to maybe kick it over to mm-hmm. the freshman, King? Let's see what he's got potentially. And, and when is the A&M going to take some shots downfield? So Jimbo address all that. Coach, what would you say – I know you talked about cleaning up turnovers and just seem to play mm-hmm. better, but the, the biggest focus you need to do in order to um, be competitive and be successful against Alabama? Well, I mean, you can't, you can't give them anything. you got to make them earn anything. You definitely – I say this, turnovers and big plays affect the game more than anything. And third down conversions in your red zone opportunities. And you look at every game, that's the biggest things it does. we got to take care of the ball on offense, uh, not give them those opportunities, especially when we're down there ready to score points on – uh, two of those turnovers, two of those turnovers led direct. We had touchdowns that led directly to turnovers that we could have been 14 points the other way when you get control of the game. And I think you can't do that. You've got to be able to create explosive plays and stop them. But up front, your battle's up front, and, and the trenches are going to be big because Alabama offensive and defensive lines are both very physical and very big and very experienced. So I think in those regards, you know, you're going to have your hands full. And, of course, their skill guys are good too. But you've got to be able to take care of the football and establish yourself on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, Jimbo, besides the obvious with a lot of five-star players on the field, what are the most difficult uh, uh, opportunities, uh, problems of getting ready for a Nick Saban team on both sides of the ball, not only preparing for them but playing them? Well, I mean, they, 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 listen, they've established a culture of winning and playing great football, and, and, that, and they, they've established that over a long period of time. And Nick's got that established there. So, I mean, that's the first thing because they understand how to win. They're very sound. They're multiple schemes. They're very, they're very sophisticated, very complex in all their things on offense and defense. And there's a lot of variations off of it. And they have, of course, they have the weapons all over the field to what you have. So they can use them. They know how to use them. And, uh, and they've established it over a long period of time. And they've created great competition within their team with their team depth to get on that field. So, you know, you got guys that are playing very well. And they know how to win. And, and they're very well coached. Yeah, piggybacking on that, Jimbo, most teams you play, I'm guessing, have one or two guys you say, we can't let those guys or that guy beat us. How many guys would you say Alabama has when you look at them and say, well, we can't let this guy beat us? Well, I mean, you you see all their skill guys. I mean, Waddle, Smith, the tight end, uh, receiver, I mean, all of them, all the receivers, the backs, all those guys. I mean – Najee, the other guys that come in, they're all top guys. I mean, it's been the good guys is in the country. Quarterback, I mean, they got players everywhere. I mean, so, you know, you got to play all the way across the board, and that's what, that's why, that's what makes great teams is when, you know, they, they, if you take one away, they got another guy to go to, you know, and, that, and that's, they do a good job in their passing game of doing that and their running game, getting balls to players. Hey, Coach, uh, I just had a question, I guess, about uh, Kellen Mond. You know, there's been some struggles lately. Is there a possibility that – we could see another QB if the struggles continue against Alabama. Listen, Kellen, he, he played a – I went back through the game. Decision-making was well. We missed – there was about four or five throws he wish he could have made. Uh, a rail route uh, on uh, twice right there, a low ball to our tight end one time, and a, and a ball across the middle we hit, but could have got up for a big one. Uh, but, you know, you're always – if something happens and your team's not moving, but at the same time still did a lot of good things with football and you got to take care of the two, the two critical turnovers uh, on the fumble on the slide we can't have. And uh, at the end of him and him in the back on the, on the pull mesh, because we're pulling it, it's going to be a touchdown. But however that works between two guys, we do those 25 to 50 times a day, depending on which day it is. So we got to get that ironed out. But, yes, you're always – every player is. But still, I mean, Kellen's played a lot of football and had a lot of experience, and we'll keep playing and knowing what we're doing and get those – you keep developing those other guys. I guess just a quick follow-up on that. If uh, either Zach goes out or Haynes King are called upon, are both of those guys SEC ready? Are both of them prepared to, to play an SEC opponent, a top well, two team? I don't, 
I feel so, and they've practiced against an SEC opponent every day and practice against our, offense, our defense, and we got a good front, good people on that side of the ball, and they practice against them each and every day and do a good job, so I would assume so, yes. Coach, you may go back to the uh, limited amount of plays, but we didn't see very many downfield shots in the passing game. Uh, is that something we could expect more of moving forward? Hopefully we will. We got, we got the first couple of drives. We were just getting the ball out of our hand, getting a rhythm, getting a tempo. Uh, again, like I say, what he did, we took, we took one, we threw it a little bit low. We caught it for about 20-some yards. But say that we made 10 big plays in the game, and that was uh, – that's usually – that's a pretty good number. But uh, we're taking it down the field. more. We had a couple called that we had to check down and bring down uh, in what we did, and uh, we hit one or two. But, uh, you know, the Peggy chain, the fumble was one was down the field. It was going to be about a 25-yard throw right there was in the shot that we, we got tipped. And like I say, you got to protect on those two. So you got to be uh, very – uh, educate on how you take them, when you take them, and how you expose yourself protection-wise, too, and some things. But, yes, we want to. We want to create big plays, and we've thrown it down the field pretty well in camp. All right, Shane. So, you know, it seemed – and, you know, of course, like we mentioned, the opt-out already, but just it just seems kind of like – I don't know. This is almost like no disrespect to Vanderbilt, but this is like what – these are the questions Derek Mason gets, you know, like yeah. how can you be competitive? How can – are you thinking about a quarterback change? We're, we're one game into the season here. Like what's going on? And I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any chance that we see a quarterback change. I mean, just based off his answers, he 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 danced all around that one. He, Caleb Mond's your guy, right. and uh, I I don't know. Does that worry you at all? Just that the fact that that they're I'm torn with quarterbacks. You know that, and it, it makes me wonder. A lot of these quarterbacks are so great in practice, right? You know, they're, they're built for it. They, they, and I don't know if they deceive the coach during the week, you know, cause they know the playbook, they know the schemes, they're looking at the defense, they can adjust, they're doing great. And it's tough to say, you know what, you're not the starter because when the lights come on, sometimes they act different and Kellen Mond's one of those different quarterbacks. So, I mean, there's, there's some games. He looks like a freaking all-star. He looks like he's he's about to play on Sunday. You know what? He's almost on my fantasy football team, Mike. But then there's sometimes it's like, golly, can the punter throw? You know, it's like, <laughs> is there is there anybody here? I mean, how big is the gap between him and, and the rest of the the quarterbacks? That kind of worries me that that it's not closer because you got. I mean, say. There was a couple times I saw Kalen uh, running the option out there, man. I mean, he's he's one. I mean, one bad move, and, and next thing you know, you you're going to a backup quarterback. So mm-hmm. uh, I just wonder just how competitive that that quarterback room is behind Kalen. I'm going back to what I said on the last show. You know, I try not to overreact on one week. Things can certainly change. Yeah, they know, certainly need them to down there in College Station, but if. We're having this conversation, Shane. Kellen Mond's a senior. He's been playing since he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. I mean, at what point do we stop saying that Jimbo is this elite quarterback developer? Because last time I checked, while he had a hell of a run at Florida State, his last quarterback or two there didn't do anything. And now mm-hmm. this, and now he's got a guy named Zach Calzada, who Georgia tried to steal at the last minute. Yeah, and I don't know how good he is, but obviously he's not. You know, I guess that in the conversation, really, I guess he's the backup second string or third string, maybe. And we got this new Hayden's King, who's Texas State champion. Now maybe it's a little unfair to ask him to play right away, 
but I've heard he's got that kind of potential. I put him in my top 25 quarterback freshman ranking. So I think he's got the talent, and we just saw Mike Leach. I know it's a little bit different scenario. They got a graduate transfer, but, hell, in one camp, this guy's lighting the world on fire. So you can't tell me that Mississippi State has got more talent than Texas A&M. I'm not buying it. So, you know, at some point here, Jimbo needs to – I mean, it's been said over and over, but he's got to forget about uh, living up to that contract. He's got to show that he's knows what he's doing when it comes to developing a quarterback and an offense. I mean, because they've, they've been getting talent, Mike, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's the development part that we're, that we're questioning right now. And, uh, I mean, that, that, that shouldn't have been a game Saturday. Nothing against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt played great. Um, I, I, I enjoy – I, I mean, they, the defense was was legit at times. The uh, the the new the freshman quarterback, he you know he's he's got a lot of potential. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Vanderbilt, but this should have been an Alabama tune-up game. This should have been one that third at the end of the third you could have pulled Kellen and and you know just see how far along these these boys are, like Alabama mm-hmm. was against Mizzou. Uh, I just you know we we don't have it. There's there's and if you can't do it, Vandy, there's there's no tune-up games, man. Mm-mm. You're 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 gonna get thrown in the fire. And then I, I just I I'm worried. I'm, I'm just I'm worried about the current state down there. Uh, I, with all the opt-outs, it's just you know if, if your teammates ain't buying into what you're preaching, you know they're gonna leave. And we've seen a lot of people leaving. So I don't know if it's something in the locker room or, or maybe I'm I'm just speculating here, but. It's just I don't I just don't like the current temperature mm-hmm. of uh, Texas A&M ball right now. Hey, all right, Shane. So that's all I got on this one. I thought we had a pretty good show. We got a lot of entertaining stuff on this episode, mm-hmm. to be sure. I did want to make this quick note though. JT Daniels cleared Shane. <laughs> I was joking about it on Saturday. I said he'd be cleared by Sunday. I was I was a day off. He's cleared on Monday, <laughs> based on. Uh, what we saw from Georgia's quarterback. So his, his ass was cleared in the second quarter, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly get into that. Uh, we're waiting for the other coaches. We'll get into Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, Auburn, obviously big games here, Tennessee, Missouri. Um, and we got a lot of games, LSU, Vanderbilt. We got a lot to talk about on the next episode, waiting for those other coaches to, to come through with their comments. But, uh, you got anything before we hop off here, buddy? Well, I don't want to leave on a sour note, Mike. You know, Aggie fans are like, well, shit, he's right. You know, hey, you're one and oh, all right. There's only what six other teams in the SEC that can say that you, you've you still are controlling your destiny. And I, I think this is a crucial, absolutely crucial week for not just Jimbo, not just Kellen, but the entire team that they need to just they need to galvanize together and come out together as a team. And I think they've got the ability to do that. And that's all starts with Jimbo. And, you know, this isn't his first rodeo. This isn't the the best start he's ever had, but I think he can rally these troops and and get them ready for Alabama. So I didn't want to leave on a sour note. And I mean, on a positive note, you know, if Kellen doesn't get it right this year, he does have eligibility for next year. And maybe that's the year, Mike. Maybe so. we could talk about them all off season once again. 
yeah, Jimbo just needed an extra season to coach him up. So, but anyway, I, I joke. I, I, I'm excited, Mike. Uh, it's great to hear all this content. Uh, it, you know, we just we got a little bit of Coach Leach in there. We've got the Kiffin, the Lane Train. I loved his freaking shirt, man. Did we talk about that? <laughs> oh yeah, he had a what? What did it say? Lane train. Let's yeah. fucking go. Was what yeah. he wore to his press conference. <laughs> Son, we made it, man. You know, we got we got a must champ down there cussing at the fans, telling them to get out of their seats. I mean, this is this is getting this is getting loud and rowdy, and I love it. We're not even to week two yet, so. Guess what, buddy? All SEC play come Saturday. I'm excited, uh, and hopefully we'll have some more uh, good content for you tomorrow. Who, what teams are we going to dive into tomorrow? A little bit of LSU. Uh, LSU Vanderbilt, Florida, yeah. South Carolina. The big one, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, mm. Missouri. Oh, Yeah, so we got quite a few to right. get to on the next episode. So, yeah, a lot more to tune in. And if you made it this far, again, we as we like to remind you, Give us that five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Get yourself a koozie of your mm-hmm. choice. We got half the SEC with more coming down the line. So uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of those. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's the least we could do for you guys spending a couple minutes on there to give us a five-star rating. So I love it, Mike. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow, brother. All right. Take care. Uh, th- or <laughs> just... All right, see you, pal. All right, sounds great. Uh, Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls.